Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's time again. It's episode lucky number 13 for June of 2021 of the Snobcast. And once again, I am joined by, back for June, my lovely and more talented co-host, Shay Samo. Say That's what up, right. What's up, fuckers? Damn right. And again, just like a few months ago, he missed last month, but he's back again. James Schneider, the man, the myth, the legend. James, say what's up. Yo, yo, yo. What's up? Yeah, my boy James is back. You guys remember him from uh, April's episode when we got to talk about Bond. That shit was fun as fuck. And then our special guest for this month, Maddie, say what's up. Hey, how's it going? (laughs) Hey, there you go. Guys, this month is June and that's actually Pride Month. So one of the cooler topics that we got recommended to us for Pride Month, since we do have some amazing LGBTQ members of this podcast this month was queer horror. And that's what we're going to be talking about this month. I know you you did your research, didn't you, James? I did extensive research while I was in the kitchen. I knew you did. I was like, I know this man's going to have something ready for me. And because I'm so excited to talk about this, because honestly, I didn't know too much either. And this is one of the first times in the podcast history that I had to do research. Oh, um, challenge. Yeah, yeah, I never do research for this. I usually know the topic. Or you just pull up the web page. <laughs> yeah. Or I just pull I it out of my ass. Com. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but this month I had to do some research. And so what we're going to do is we're just going to pick a couple of movies to talk about, if we've seen them, if we haven't, that really fall into the guise of queer horror. And of course, I have a bonus topic that I didn't tell anyone about because I'm. it's more fun that way. Wow. Ooh. bastard. <laughs> I am oh I always do this. Uh, me, I did this to James a few months ago. I always do this. So because I'm a nice guy and because we have some lovely guests this month, in fact, we're gonna let our guest Maddie go first and tell us one of their picks. First pick is actually one that I watched pretty recently. Um, and I'm sure a lot of us have here have heard of it. Uh Titan. Uh, oh, okay. So I haven't <laughs> seen this one and I've I really want to see it, but I've heard a lot of shit about it. I hated it. I'm that sure guy. you I have. <laughs> it's not for everybody. It's definitely, it's, but um, like it or hate it, there's definitely a lot of different themes going on. Okay. And one of them that, you know, I think is pretty clear to a lot of people, you know, because of a lot of the plot things that happens is uh, gender, you know, and a very, uh, I guess a uh, non-traditional way of uh, exploring that topic, you know? So if you can get past all the, you know, the squeaky stuff and the car sex. <laughs> oh, and the nonsense. You know? Yeah. Car the sex, nonsense. yeah. The nonsense, yeah. The shenanigans. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Do you guys know that you could get arrested for having sex in a car? Good. Yeah, because it's public. I'm not with a car. I did not know that. Didn't that happen to Hugh Grant? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> you oh, see this? You see this? In, oh, so you it's so it's in your neon collection then. That it was in this collection. <laughs> and I wanted to throw it away after watching Titan. Wow. No, give it to me because no. I haven't seen it yet. Okay, no. Maddie. Yeah. Or Maddie or whoever will. D- is there anything to it cinematically? Like, is there what? What's the imagery like? Is there any like si- stylistic like benefit to it? The problem is it changes its style about twenty minutes into the movie. Really, it has this great 
neon infused, you know, I think beat it's to it. A good contrast, though. But the contrast because- is that it's dull as fuck after that. I wouldn't say it's dull. It has some stylistic moments after, but it's because it takes place in a totally different situation. And, you know, no spoilers. But again, I think that sets up the contrast between the character for the first 20 minutes and then for the rest of the movie in the situation that they're in. So that's well, I heard that the director has made a different film. I think it was called Raw. Where it's, oh, yeah. It's We're going to talk about that. Don't worry about it. We're going to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I haven't seen it, but I've heard of it. And I'm just Oh, saying, don't worry, James. We're gonna like talk it. about oh. it, buddy. Okay. Ron, interesting one actually having to do with uh the theme that we have going on. And whoever's gonna talk about it, I won't talk about it, but it it's got um I have I have mixed feelings on that one, but anyway. It's my first pick, so when we get there, I'll talk about it. Okay, good, 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 good. <laughs> I don't know. Titan is one of those movies, it's gonna God, you're probably gonna like it, Shay. Yeah, you're one of those you never people. know i never know what i'm gonna like honestly <laughs> no you're probably gonna like this fucking weird ass shit <laughs> okay. yeah you'll be like me oh so it is by the same director as raw yeah i hated this fucking movie interesting yeah <laughs> <laughs> this fucking movie. <laughs> every time there's gotta be at least one controversial movie that someone loves and someone hates i love that it was the first one great job maddie you already understand the assignment <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they understood the assignment. I feel I'm, so welcome. <laughs> I'm already happy because you understood the assignment completely, which is to pick a movie that I totally despise. <laughs> <laughs> you know it, baby. <laughs> <laughs> She's throwing it out like, you know it, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yes, they're my mini me. God, I can't but, believe uh, it. I, I, okay, so Maddie, like, for those of you who don't know who Maddie is, you're hearing their voice right now. They are my younger sibling by three years. So we're essentially kind of the same person. And wow. Literally yeah. the same person. Literally the same person, just like different experiences. The same person. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> I think Maddie might still have somewhat of a, her consciousness, you know, not <laughs> infiltrated by some sanity left. That's true. Maddie, Maddie is pure. And I, I am a decrepit, hollow shell. Um, wow. with, like full of just rotting feces and 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 disgusting atmosphere and all that. I'm like a, <laughs> I don't know, like a hot fart inside of a hot. <laughs> <laughs> a couple more years, okay? Yeah, but uh, as I as I described to Will before, in in uh, including Maddie as a guest, uh, my first one of the first things I I said basically was Maddie is a smarter version of me. <laughs> No, I said no, no cap. Yeah, you no really cap. talked me up way too much like, before I joined in. Too bad. I did it. And it's true. Well, my truth. I'm living my truth. And she started with that pick, guys. <laughs> That's a strong. So you can only pick. imagine how it's going to go from here. Oh, God. <laughs> I can only imagine how it's going to go from here, Hamas. Oh, my God. I can only imagine. If if the audience could only read our our fucking um, group chat conversations, dear God, spiraling into I have that screen cap of <laughs> of Will going, what the fuck is going on? Chat in frames. So we got our first pick out of the way. Titan. Now, James. Yeah, you know, shit. We're making you pick second. Okay. Ooh. 
Um, I mean, it's it's not really. It's not. I mean, I guess it would kind of be uh, queer horror. Um, it's it's climax by Gaspar Noé. Yeah. Um, that definitely which, counts. Yeah, I think it has you know those those themes in there or or characters more so, mm-hmm. but um, I remember what a visceral experience it was to watch, um, mostly because if I recall, if I recall correctly, it's it's shot almost mostly in one take, is it not? Mm-hmm. Yes, so, yeah, it's very it's very immersive in that regard, and what really catches you and obviously is the opening dance number and how brilliantly choreographed everything is and a director like Gaspar Noé known for his you know psychedelic imagery and all that like having like smooth camera moves and all that no like rapid cuts or tracking is it's was pretty you know mesmerizing to watch and um yeah throughout the throughout the film I mean it gets really to a point where it's like you don't want the camera to follow a certain subject or you you're just like astonished as to how far it actually goes and and it's such a simple concept i mean drugging a party mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. and the way it develops from there is just is great i mean it's not necessarily a horror uh, as much as a, like a thriller i mean it has horror, horror elements but yeah. um you know it's it's there and and it has a great climax also pun intended true 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 i definitely horror film honestly i think it definitely counts as horror because horror in itself is such a broad genre yeah place that as situational horror because wasn't it like allegedly like based on a thing that actually happened with i guess so yeah it was like the crew of titanic or something (laughs) (laughs) somebody like (laughs) dosed like a, a plate of like lobster or something like a like a titanic crew thing so like a bunch of people had to go to the hospital Shit. because they were so fucking high wow you're right no That's you're insane. Right. yeah wasn't it like pcp or something i don't know it was some um, fucked up shit whoa that's oh <laughs> you are not a random poor film memory for me no wow. i think someone's spiked, like the 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 crew like food with pcp or something I specifically remember it was seafood, which is even worse, honestly. (laughs) That's like the worst thing you can dose. And anyway, Climax is a fantastic fit. (laughs) It fit, thick. Oh, I can't speak. Gaspar Noé, um, for those of you who are uninitiated, Gaspar Noé is known for his very colorful filmmaking. He's a crazy um, person. um, Sex, violence. Yeah, he he indulges himself on being a a quote-unquote controversial director. But uh, on part of, uh, as you said, you know, his his interesting psychedelic imagery, uh, that's also due in part because of the cinematographer who he's worked before on many accounts from like Irreversible to Love. Um, This person also worked on films like Spring Breakers. His name is Benoit Deby, um, who I actually researched at one point. One of my favorite cinematographers of all time. It's really good when a director works with the same cinematographer, like mm-hmm. that trust that they have between each other, like in later projects, especially. Like, yeah. just fantastic. Like Honestly, Lubeski and Quaron, right? Like, those guys have it down. Exactly. That's, yeah, they, they, they're very like connected on the relationship. They know what they're doing. They have that, that chemistry, obviously. And just the stuff that Gaspar not even wanted to portray, but like allowed himself to portray through the characters. And then even, um, are you guys familiar with the film uh, 
Possession, 1981. Yep. Yes, of course. You all caught the reference, the scene reference from that when like uh, the lead, one of the lead actresses is at the height of her, her tripping state. And she literally, um, how do you, she, she literally recreates the scene, the subway scene. From oh, her yeah. We've true. all been there. <laughs> we've all been there. Where we've all been there. <laughs> And it's fantastic. And I, I, I love it, it. Climax itself could have easily been a full out horror film because of their delusions, because of uh, without spoiling it, because of what happens to the characters. Um, but it's it's an interesting choice just in general that makes it, in my opinion, that situational horror where that fantastical or I don't know, just like that, you know, indulgent fantastical imagery is removed. Gaspar Noé commented that he actually wanted to remove that to add more realism to it. So you you weren't actually seeing what the characters were seeing, which in a way makes it even more terrifying because of the ambiguity. You know, you just see someone looking at a mirror and their face in the mirror and then screaming. What are they saying? What did their face turn into? And that's really exciting. You never look in the mirror when you're tripping. No, you That's don't. Rule number one. I did that. <laughs> no. I never trip, therefore, I don't I mean, know who is this person. Get over it, but it's not fun. <laughs> I have never tripped. Therefore, I don't know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> wise. Very wise. Well, well for the and next you've never, been, you've never had your sangria spiked while you're in a, in a, like an advanced troop in the middle of winter. Yeah, also, that is a bit questionable, though, like, the location they're in. Like, it's the middle of winter, and yeah. they're just kind of in the middle of nowhere. It's really right. So their dance troupe studio setting is, like, set in the middle of nowhere, apparently. And they can't get... Like, how do they get there? Like, how do they drive there? The cars just were left out in the blizzard. They're just trapped there. What's up? I guess so. They all took I Ubers guess. or something. They, <laughs> they Ubered there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I Ubered to work 50 miles. I'm right oh, my Uber driver. I've never been to Ubo Drabber. <laughs> oh my god. All right. So that was another good pick there, James. Good one. Climax. Nice if you guys have not seen it, Gaspar Noe is a crazy person. I love him. Uh Into the Void, that sort of thing. Great film. Uh Irreversible, uh, not so much, but you know, that's a different story. Uh Shay, what you so. got for your first pick? Um, so for this was a difficult one because uh, as I mentioned to Will before, I have quite a few picks. But uh, starting out, I'm going to ease into it. I'm going to pick something that we've all probably seen. And my first pick is the number one. (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and like, just like clickbait the shit out of this. But my number one pick is one of the number one movies of all time that everyone who who loves film needs to watch. And that is Mulholland Drive. Wow, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally yes <laughs> i just clicked really james was like i don't I, I i need to research this and i'm not sure but i i guarantee you there's so many movies that you've already seen that are queer or lgbtqia plus related and you don't even you don't even realize they just it have that subtext yeah yeah or it's not even subtext it's it's to the point where it almost feels normalized and that's yeah. almost pretty much the case in Mulholland drive where it is this uh, kind of, it, it, it's directed by David Lynch. So of course there's the king. real imagery, <laughs> juicy, juicy, juicy drama, uh, neo-noir and- Hobo ladies. What was that? Hobo ladies that make you have nightmares. <laughs> oh, God. 
one of the best jump scares in a non. It's the best jump scare ever put to cinema. I watched that movie when I was 13 and I was never the same. Oh my- <laughs> explains so much about you. We're laundry basement looking area right now. That's very lynching. That's right, well. But yeah, brilliant movie all around. Um, Brilliant, yeah, great pick. Not only does it really solidify just how much you you feel for the main character and how much she she romanticizes um, and and is is ideally idealizing her whole future as an actress, um, trying to make it in LA, trying to make it in Hollywood. Um, There's a whole juxtaposition of what is and what isn't, Uh, and on top of that, you you have this sort of is there, isn't there kind of romance between herself and this other model actress. Um, and without spoiling it, there's just the whole dynamic between the two characters is so deeply felt without being very explicitly expressed that makes it so much more fascinating and relatable and then ultimately heartbreaking. I love that movie. Yeah, <laughs> the, the eyes are the window to the soul in this one. I mean, when when the twist happens near the middle, it was pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. And it also has, um, since we were on the topic of jump scares, and this is this isn't really like a spoiler. It's just a scene I think that's been discussed. It, I mean, it should be discussed at many film schools if they haven't already. It's the is the diner scene leading up to the jump scare. Like it's probably the one of the scenes in, in film history during the day where I've been petrified as what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. due to the performances and like the the dreamlike lighting that that scene has mm-hmm. just and those who are listening you know what i'm talking about mm-hmm. i mean anticipation sometimes you can just have a character telling the story and have you know the the technical elements come into play to match that feeling and, and... not to mention the sound design the sound design is if you know david lynch you know david lynch is successful on a majority part of his use and his knowledge and his just intuition when it comes to sound design in everything. It goes whoosh. It's exactly. like, it's in your brain. You hear like vibrations in your brain. It, yeah, it, it does. It vibrates inside your brain. It's... Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's the only way to describe it. That's such a good movie. I love oh, that pick. Yeah, that's and a great movie. You have, to, you have to watch it multiple times because you're not going to get it on the first time, just straight up. No, I, I, no, no, you don't get it out the first time. Definitely not. <laughs> Takes many years. <laughs> I know. I, I remember just it. I think for every person who's seen it and like really put in the effort to like appreciate it and, and really feel it, knows like, yeah, it has been through a journey with it. There's always the like the click moment where you're like, oh, that's what it's about. That's what it's doing. Yeah. But it takes it takes a while to get there, and then when you watch it again, you get to piece everything together. It, and and all of David Lynch's kind of properties are like that. Like Twin Peaks is like that. But Mulholland Drive is, in my opinion, kind of his most everything of that. Yeah, that's just his. That's just how his brain works with film, I guess. It, and it, part of me, because he says like it comes to him, you know, like it's something that kind of folks that actually. Mm-hmm. I, okay, Go I'm going to do it with my David Lynch voice. <laughs> okay. I need our little 
are like little fish or trouts that you have to fish for. <laughs> that was poorly. Sorry. I butchered that. Anyway. Good morning. It is. It is June 7th, 2020. And it's a Tuesday. <laughs> Here in I'm L.A. really depressed. Very still right now. <laughs> <laughs> I love his weather reports. They're, they're I can't really right now. Stop. I think he uh, a barn or something recently. But those clouds should burn away to see those beautiful blue skies and golden sunshine all along the way. Have you guys seen him make quinoa? No. Yes. The king. Maddie, you need to. Yes, the king. The quinoa king. He paints. <laughs> he cooks. He does weather reports. He does not. He doesn't know. But what's also great, I'll add this one more thing, is that um, you can actually interpret the film like how you want. Like there's no like right way to look at it. Mm. And I think he knows that too. Like I think his, is this is difficult to explain, but like he might have a signal of vision to how it turned out when he, when he finished it. But then over the years, maybe he gets his own different meanings from it or what he's gone through or whatever. But yeah. um because Mahalan Drive also weirdly is kind of versatile as a movie because it originally wasn't meant to be a movie. It was meant to be a television pilot like Twin Peaks. Um, but then he, he, he fought for it and it ended up turning into a movie. And then that's where it ended. So it, it's kind of bizarre kind of almost when, when, when you're as in love and in depth with the movie as kind of I've I don't know. I've gotten to that point. It's overwhelming to think that there's so much more that he was planning to do with the characters and the story arcs. And like you said, James, like, like that's a brilliant point. You could get out of it what you want to get out of it because there's so much going on. But yeah. it's so well put together. Lots of stuffs. Well, I will say what we should have gotten out of it is a best picture win because it was the best. Yeah, movie and a best picture. Yeah. I mean, I mean, well, yeah, I mean. Yeah. Well, this is everything. Like Ron Howard, I think, one for a beautiful mind. Mm. Oh, <laughs> a beautiful mind. Ooh. What a beautiful Ooh. mind the Academy has. <clears throat> he and Maddie are doing the exact same thing right now. <laughs> yeah, that, that a beautiful mind is subpar. Yeah. But, you know, Ron, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't put it at subpar. That's a nice way of saying that. That's it. it <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to... Controversial Oscars now. I'm just going to start flaming the Oscars. You already know. Yeah. You already oh, know I'm going to flame the Oscars. That's episode flaming the Oscars. That's a great episode right there. No, guys. Mahol and Drive won. Okay, you guys can get it. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to take that bait, James. <laughs> We're not taking that bait. So... Everybody's had a pick, and that means it is Moi's turn. And of course, yes. like I mentioned oh, earlier, bring it on, bring it on. As I mentioned earlier, I am going to be picking uh, Julia Ducourneau's first film, oh. Raw. Oh yeah, ah. Raw. There it is. There Which it is. is about a young woman uh, who's studying to be a veterinarian. Uh, you know, veterinarian in France who develops a craving for uh, the flesh of human beings. Fun. I mean, as relatable, relatable. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's one of those movies where, you know, obviously it debuted at Cannes because fucking French people, uh, 
but apparently audiences at Cannes started walking out and vomiting and throwing up everywhere. And pissing. And, uh, shitting. They always do that. They always do that. They always well, they walk- do that. They're very sensitive. But wait, wait, wait. I'm, sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Will, but is, is, that, is, that even, is that even true? Like vomiting in the theater and yes. walking out? Like, come on. I, yes. Okay, so here's my theory. I've We've festival before, right? And sometimes people can get really hardcore when it gets to festivaling. And maybe they didn't have breakfast or they had like a bad yeah. hotel breakfast. They woke up early. They see you- someone eating human viscera. And then they're like, oh, okay, that's my cat. I need to eat. Yeah, we need more context to that because really? Really? To be fair, 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 Ralph fainted at a screening. What's, oh, which one? I don't remember, but he fainted at a screening. It better not be wounds. No, it was a a festival I wasn't there with him at. And he fainted at at a screening of a horror film. And uh, yeah, so I know sinister? for a fact. No, it wasn't sinister. Okay, you know, because I heard but, stories uh, about people having heart attacks or something due to sinister or whatever. Sinister. Yeah, because yeah. it was like from this radio spot from like 2014. It's like, guys, this this totally wrecked Sundance. People were fainting and passing out. You gotta okay. go see it. Sinister, sinister. Is a good movie. and it's got like it's it scarier, good. creepy moments. But passing out. Maybe they just needed a cookie or something. Honestly, Sinister's the handsome hawk one, right? Yeah. Yeah. I like Mr. that movie. Handsome, 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 beautiful man, gorgeous man, hawk. I keep forgetting he's in the purge. I always forget he's in the purge. And I fucking love the purge. Are we excited for the black phone or no? I'm seeing it on the 22nd. Ooh, okay. When is that gonna come out? Like it comes I out on the 25th. Was... Okay, because I, I, f- I remember seeing a trailer for it like a year ago. Yeah, it got and then like it. They've just been building it up forever. I'm seeing it, it like, on the 22nd. It comes out on the 25th. I I'm going to, to see Crimes of the Future. Yeah, tomorrow. if you do, go ahead and put yeah. that together for me, uh, James. Body Hoarder and yes, maybe... Cronenberg. Of course. Future. Vigo. So fucking Oh my God, so excited for that. We stand yeah. Cronenberg here, guys. Yeah. But also, you know, speaking speaking back on, on festival goers, like having visceral reactions to movies... It, it happens all of the time, actually. Like uh, when I saw Possessor at Sundance, I was the only one applauding in the audience and it was fucking hilarious because- You were. <laughs> for you. Every single time something <laughs> happened, people were in the- uh, And this was a P&I screening, press and oh industry. My God. People are already supposed to have seen movies, right? And every time there was like, you know, even like light violence, people would be audible about it. They would be like, <gasps> Oh my God! And all this stuff, and I'm just like, have you seen a movie before? And yeah. I don't know. Some people just, I guess, a lot of people just have different tolerances. But I, I don't think that should, at this point, it should not be like a bragging right for any film whatsoever. Because they said the same thing for the house that Jack built. They said, I mean, basically every Lars von Trier yeah, movie. The that house that Jack built's not good. Yeah, it, House of Jack built. It's it big. was really a, a lot. I only like the like the first hour was seemed pretty good, but after that, like yeah. it went I, I way too hard. Scene. I like the last scene because it 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 brought the movie's karma together. And yeah. in fact, I, I it brought it back around. I like I like uh Meat Boy. What? 
Listen, Me boy. I, I also wanted to say that I didn't clap for Possessor because I just didn't like the movie. I liked it. It was fun. It was fun. It was you, fine. Jana, you need fine. to watch Titan. So like you and me, Possessor, in that movie, we can like join together on that. Possessor's better than Titan. The unofficial trio. Possessor, oh god, I love it so much. Because <laughs> I didn't think it was a bad movie. I just didn't like it. It's a good movie. I just didn't mm-hmm. like it. There's a but difference. That's, that's a totally justifiable answer, Will. Sometimes yeah, yeah, yeah. movies are spectacular and people just don't love them. Exactly. <laughs> Titan is neither spectacular nor good. Mm-hmm. <gasps> but I like... But like Possessor, I really liked the movie. I just wasn't like Possessor, in my opinion, is actually okay. Hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. Okay. Okay. Typing up Friends of the Future and um David Cronenberg's return to form. Oh my god. Like he's one of my favorite filmmakers of all time. No shit. Yeah. Um, but his son Brandon Cronenberg with Possessor is bringing he he is reigning back that era. Antiviral, in my opinion, did not do that. It, it was not really that successful in that. Oh yeah. my God. Will, Will agrees. He's, yeah, he's agreeing with me right now. <laughs> because it, it, it's it's far more produced. It's got a fucking fantastic cast with Jennifer Jason Lee, Andrea Riseborough, um, Christopher Abbott, who's in fucking everything nowadays. He's my language. Yeah, that's in everything I know it is. Sean Bean. He's, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, Mr. Bean is in it. I forgot. Oh, Mr. Yeah. Bean. Uh, <laughs> just throwing actors. Yeah. Get his body fucking ripped apart. <laughs> and, like the first minute goes like, oh, okay. Just gets fucking eyeball ripped out. That'd be so. Oh funny. my god. That's <laughs> it. Like so meta. <laughs> no, yeah. I I love Andrew Riseborough. So. Yeah. The era of a uh, cyber horror and body horror, and yeah. uh, that that opened it up and uh, is leading back up to David Cronenberg's return to form with Crimes of the Future, which I'm so excited to see. The end. I will say, I will say, I, I'm a huge Cronenberg fan. He made my, he's directed my favorite horror film of all time, which is The Fly. Yes, um, beautiful movie. So I, it's my favorite horror film ever. So. Uh, I, lo- I love that one, and, and I'm a huge Cronenberg fan. And like I said, I didn't hate Possessor. It's such a well-made movie that you can't hate the movie. I just didn't care for it because I was like, eh, like, that's completely fine. No, I, I can respect that. Yeah, plenty of mo- plenty of people in that showing alone definitely hated that movie. Because I definitely agree with all your critiques. Uh, I definitely thought your review was spot on because uh, it's a great movie. It's well-made. The story's coherent. All the action is paced did. well. You did. I forgot. <laughs> you did. The you first put the amazing. Yeah, yeah. I I really liked a lot of the the, the camera work. There. I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love I love Possessor. It's a great great film. I recommend it to people all the time because I'm like, you guys want some some weird shit? Here you go. <laughs> Get into uh, Possessor. Yeah, like not. Oh, so we'll we'll go back to Raw because I definitely want to go back to that one. But actually, Possessor could also it's on my list as well. But that also qualifies as queer horror. Indeed. Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does technically. It, it, yeah, it, it, I I love how. Oh, Maddie, are you gonna say something? No, go ahead. You're probably gonna I'm say not, what I'm saying right okay. now. Go I feel go. like I've been talking too much, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> you jump in. Anyone jump in at any time. Just cut me off. But possessor, you know, in there's something very real about how David Cro- David and Brandon Cronenberg, even though Cran- Brandon is the one who directed it, 
their exploration of sexuality and gender, especially in the, the cybernetic future, feels very real. And you see that like played out all that's the front way. and center. It's front and center in possessor. Yeah. You're oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're it's front and center. And that's actually why it qualifies. I can't say why if you haven't seen the movie, but because of the inherent nature of Andrea Riseborough's character and whom they are, this qualifies as queer horror for sure. Absolutely. For sure. I can't say much more than that because I don't want to ruin the movie for anybody Honestly, who hasn't seen yeah, it. Yeah, no, it, it's kind of it's kind of a scene that you just have to or scenes and so and forth then, that you have to experience. Oh, Most boy. of it, and then one in particular that I think we're all yeah. We all know, yeah. We we know. We're all thinking about it right now. Yes, we are <laughs> thinking about it right now. I'm thinking about what it could be. <laughs> we're all thinking about we're all thinking about Christopher Abbott's uh, big wiener. Was that his wiener though? Was that the true wiener? Was that yeah, his that was the true wiener? It was a wiener. It was a wiener. A one. Oh, since we were on the topic of Lars von Trier, you guys oh know my that God, behind I just... this, you know that behind the scenes trivia of him directing Will Defoe on Antichrist. They had to bring in yes. a body double because yes. his yeah. schlong was too yep. big. Yeah. Uh-huh. I wish I could say how big, honestly. I know that's private information. <laughs> I've seen it. How big is <laughs> what a roller coaster of a, of a podcast. We go yeah, we're, we're all over the place, but we're having a good time. <laughs> uh, uh, we're having a great time. This is going exactly as I expected. It I guess to. you could say we're having a gay old time. Chaotic as fuck. William Defoe's song. <laughs> Honestly. Okay. Okay. So bringing Listen. it back to Raw, Will, why did you choose Raw in, in the context of this theme? Well, to be fair, there, there have meant there's multiple scenes of, uh, of our lead character, Justine, uh, procuring her meat by using her sexuality. Mm-hmm. And especially with a female, with female students at the school that she, that she attends. I mean, obviously she's bisexual because she also gets with a different character named Adrian who's a fucking dick who's gay? um yeah oh wait is he the gay one no oh. he's not gay he's not gay oh he's the soccer really? player <laughs> I, the... I do remember uh one of her friends i don't i don't remember which alexia character. yeah alexia okay. her friend alexia and yeah. yeah there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of very overt it's not subtle at all it's very overt uh homosexuality in this movie mm-hmm. and it's okay that's totally fine and it speaks to the theme in general. It does. It really does. And I, 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 I really like the movie. I thought it was a pretty well-made movie. It's much better than Tea Time. Um, still, it's not that great, but uh, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. There's some cool scenes in it. Um, yeah. So, Maddie, what you got for me? I know you got something else. With Raw, I got to say, I got to mention the soundtrack. The it's a really great soundtrack. It is. I it actually kind of know how to play of Noé, honestly. What? It felt very evocative of Noé. Gaspar mm-hmm. Noé's the whole aesthetic. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Mm-hmm. I-, I could see that. There's a really good Blood Red Shoes song on there, so I was I was happy about that. So, wait, so it's my, my I, got, I go again? <laughs> you get to go again. Okay, okay. Well, I actually have probably kind of another... Um, Maybe controversial pick, <laughs> and it, 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 if you don't know already, hear me out. But Seed of Chucky, no, yeah, oh, no. yeah, uh, you know what I mean. I've never heard of it. Oh, but... okay, okay, okay. Yeah, okay, yeah. Continue, continue. 
so Glenda slash Glenn the doll I think is probably the first um shall we say by gender non-binary representation that's like you know really directly like spelled out like in film in honestly it's it's pretty great you know there's not a lot of representation in that field and like the Chucky series is on the surface kind of the last places you would expect that but um the filmmakers are actually like you know very progressive in that right you know um as we know but um and it was actually mentioned um in the Chucky series that came out you know (laughs) we got to hear Chucky say um gender fluid (laughs) which is that was a moment that was that was a very that was a great moment there um but yeah I mean honestly it's it's I I have a lot of feelings for this movie and that character in particular because it's I I don't know it's a definitely not the best film (laughs) or Mm -hmm. you know but that character in particular. And you do know that Glenn and Glenda is a reference, right? Yes, to um, like Victor Victoria? No, it's a reference to a movie directed by Ed Wood called Glenn or Glenda. Oh, oh my God, I forgot about that. You're right, yeah. But yeah. Which he cross-dresses, he himself cross-dresses. Of course, yeah. So yeah, that's the reference. Yeah, it's like a double, and it's just... I don't know. I, I when I first found out about it, I was like, I, I, I was very kind of, I was almost kind of cautious, you know, because like I feel like you wouldn't expect it to be handled very well. But honestly, they kind of treated the character like pretty earnestly with in that regard. And I don't know. I just I don't have too much to say more than that, I guess. But I just I don't know. I kind of personally I felt seen by it, and I was impressed by it. <laughs> so you know, go Chucky. <laughs> I can respect that, actually. That's a respectable pick for the theme. I, I You're right, though. It isn't a great movie, but yeah, I think it does handle the theme well. Yeah. Isn't this, like, a very, like, actual direct conversation, too, between Chucky and, um, shit, Jen- uh, what's her name? Jennifer Tilly's character? Tilly's character. Yeah, it's, um... About their, their child. Tiffany. Tiffany. Yeah, they directly discuss it, and they're like, you know, like, yeah uh, that's that's my son and like um tiffany the i think the doll's name is tiffany it is it's like uh, they can identify however they i can't do a jennifer tilly voice <laughs> but, um yeah glenn such glenda directly says like um you know they they directly say how they feel you know like that that how they identify and stuff and it's definitely an interesting place to have that conversation in a horror movie about <laughs> a horror comedy about dolls named seed of Chucky. <laughs> when you think about it in the scope of of things though like i don't know like if, if you were to think about where that conversation would be had in that kind of film that's the perfect place to kind of just not even have that conversation but just put that kind of character there yeah because literally it also brings up the kind of idea that um not the idea but they're dolls 
And yeah. And, and that's brought up too, because Glenn slash Glenda doesn't actually have genitals. So they they kind of have to like, the parental dolls are kind of, you know, trying to, I guess, impress an identity on this doll who just, you know, doesn't feel one way or the other, you know? Yeah. And also that's another great thing about horror movies and I guess movies in general, like you get to like kind of explore these conversations and real life things like mm -hmm. in a weird sort of I guess more um more broadly reaching kind of way and just like a weird sort of quirky I guess maybe maybe in put in a different way like horror movies are exceptionally accessible yes uh, most accessible that's what I was looking for Hockey movies so in that right you know you could also say that about um feminist filmmaking or female-centric filmmaking, horror films also take the front for that. So when it comes to, I don't know, horror films, in my opinion, that's why me and also Maddie are so, are so engrossed in that whole genre is because they're, they, they like those involve some of the most expressionist, uh, like a creative um, filmmaking. And that's like the best way to bring yeah. that about and have those conversations without explicitly pandering, you know? I mean, yeah, horror is, I, I gotta say, I, um, oh man, I forgot what I said. I forgot what I said. <laughs> I know, okay, okay. Yeah. Shit, I was gonna say something like really cool though. So pretend I, I pretend I remembered. <laughs> well, that was amazing. Great stuff, Maddie. Great stuff. Wow, so, so deep. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely Thank you. I'm, I'm glad I remembered it. Um, I, I, Felt like it added a lot to the conversation. <laughs> Thomas Snyder. Thomas Snyder. <laughs> What's up? Do we need a second pick from me? Yeah. Um, the Lighthouse has. Oh yeah. Park. That wasn't my last I pick. Think, that was. I think. Um. I think it has. You know, undertone. It's coded. It's coded. Oh, there's. Absolutely, hundred oh, percent. I think there's a there's subtlety there because. <laughs> Could you say it's even subtle though? No, I mean, no yeah, not. they argue no. like a married couple. We've been throughout new. their 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 experience together, and my friend, that yeah. was Brokeback Mountain on the ocean. <laughs> oh, 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 with a um, siren screaming and how you know the mermaid masturbation like a, yeah yeah the whole like yeah it's that's another film that you can watch a lot of times and kind of get different views on it I from the king about that one <laughs> like uh that's that's another scene that's pretty freaking intense like i mean we're talking about um we were talking about david lynch and his use of sound earlier i think the use of sound for um the lighthouse, especially during you know the the mermaid scene, the ending scene especially, yeah. is really great. Like how it just gets like super distorted at points, and it goes like you know out of the time period that it's physically. Well, there's some, there's some great sure. there's some great lack of noise scenes too, James. In that movie, oh yeah yeah where it just yeah. goes silent. It goes completely silent. Sometimes the score is deafening, but sometimes the waves crashing outside are as well. So. There's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of really great ups and downs there. But yeah, I thank you thank you um, uh, for for mentioning the lobster because 
<laughs> I finally got that down. Like I that movie is definitely it belongs here. <laughs> it clicks. But yeah, I mean, yeah, there's there's definitely hints and nods. Even Edgar himself said that, you know, if, if you want to look at it that way, you can look at it that way. And it would make sense. Like he's not opposed to it. If so you can see the, the marriage story for a horror film lovers, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my next pick, marriage story. <laughs> that is a horror film. It's yeah. a horror film. It does lack of so. I threw up watching it, man. I, I passed out. <laughs> <laughs> I vomited. I cried. I, 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 I pissed. I farted. I straight shit my pants, <laughs> man. <laughs> I did. I'm watching like in the first two minutes. Yeah. It was over. It was, it was, was dead. The seat, was the theater, much. they had to escort me out. <laughs> I was they dead, had, man. They had to drag me out of the theater while I was crying for my mom. <laughs> with I piss was con- streaming I was convulsing down the carpet. All up in my pants. <laughs> yeah, this fine. all happened in the same theater, too. It was just absolute mayhem. I think yeah. we're not in that theater anymore guys. you do not want to smell that theater after that was done <laughs> that was <laughs> guessless. no yeah. you know what's funny is i saw the lighthouse in the morning as a pni screening at fantastic fest and i was like oh wow well i'm awake am i awake <laughs> no oh, i have God. to imagine watching that so early in the morning would just be like hellish <laughs> a- 8 a.m oh my god in a, in a wow way. in a good way just like, what the fuck did I just witness? I, do you know what I watched yeah. right after it? What? what? Parasite. Jesus. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Best combo ever, man. That was a morning, I tell you. Also a horror movie. <laughs> that, is, that is a sequence. Oh Hell God. of a morning, I'll tell you that right there. Uh, yeah, that was Fantastic oh, Fest, man. That was a fucking hell of a celebration right that's there. That's fantastic, dude. Kind of like yeah. one fucking hell of a ride. Uh, yeah. No pun intended. I thought I was going to die that day. Oh, my God. No, that's how <laughs> I saw death. watching the Nightingale at Sundance. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Oh, a uh, slight anecdote. Okay, so for those of you who know what the Nightingale is about, we watched it. We watched, the I think, the premiere at Sundance. And when we were watching it, the guy in the row directly behind me had a fucking seizure. In the oh my god! After the worst scenes, that everyone everyone was silent. You could feel the vibe. Everyone was fucking depressed. And then I, someone said, "Stop the movie! Stop the movie!" And like me, as a proud American, was like, "Oh god, there's <laughs> something. Something's very wrong here. I'm in a theater. Gotta get out of here." And then you see the guy behind me having a whole ass seizure. And yeah, they stopped the they stopped the whole screening for ten minutes. They continued it. And then me and my partner. Was he okay? Huh? Was he okay? He literally just had, okay. The Nightingale has some of the worst sexual assault scenes I've ever seen in film. I will never watch it again. I cannot recommend it to any person. It's by the same director as the Babadook. But Jesus. Jennifer Kent. Too much, too much, too much. And I just could not Film enough rape scenes. Yeah, I know. Oh, it's good because it, it's realistic because I have a rape scene. Absolutely not. It literally caused this guy to have a freaking seizure. It could have oh, killed him. It's actually a decent film around as uh, rape scenes, though. There's actually a decent film around it. I did finally see it. Yeah, I did like the production design also. It is horrific. Gorgeous film. 
gorgeous film, amazing acting. Has anyone oh, seen Sadness? What? Not yet. Not yet. I've heard sort of similar things about that one. It's so. in my inbox, but mm-hmm. I haven't seen it yet. The Sadness. The Sadness. Sounds sad. It's like a Korean Sounds zombie very- film. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Uh-huh. That's a that's a really good title for a zombie film. That makes me feel very icky inside. I, I think I'm just gonna let other people uh go for it. You don't then... have the mental capacity for it. You're you're on your own on that one. Zombies. <laughs> Unless you sneak it to me and I forget. Yeah, there you go. Uh <laughs> no, that's exactly what we do. James, that's a good call out there and with the lighthouse, that's, man. That's a honestly that's Thank a thank you. Because Primo it is pick. coded. I really yeah. believe that. I firmly believe that because it absolutely is. Yes, absolutely, one hundred percent. Like it's backed up. Fuck yeah. <laughs> by, by that's me. male. That's male homosexuality masked as obsession. Yeah, homosexuality or even suppressed dominance by yeah. farts. <laughs> what do you mean you don't like me, God lobster? You don't like my lobster? Oh my god! All the memes. I've seen it. You're fond of me, lobster. Oh my god. The <laughs> I had a steak. I would fuck it. Wait, what? <laughs> that's how I knew. That's how I knew Robert Pattinson would be a good Batman. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> I need wow. I need Willem Dafoe to be the Joker. But, I mean, He's, that's, that's a long shot. And then they have all the sexual tension of the lighthouse. Minor spoiler, but in the Batman, they did not show who the Joker was going to be. They did though. Yeah, it's very I, I, I don't even know. Spoilers. So I'm. I. I didn't even. Look. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, like David or not David. Willem Dafoe hasn't had his in. Oh shit! Wait, no, he is in the DC universe in Aquaman. Yeah. yeah. Right, but they also they also showed it. Yeah, but no, but no, because because be the Batman people. is not going to be in the cinematic. Batman doesn't even qualify. Yeah, if no, Superman no. appears in the next Batman film, I'm just going to stop Batman series needs to be like the Raimi trilogy of Batman. Like yeah. it just needs to be its own contained thing. Exactly. Like you're not going to have a post credit scene where oh fucking red cape comes in saying hey. I'm putting a team together. It's Morbin time, and freaking Morbin disappeared. <laughs> I hated that movie. I fucking love that they put that back in theaters again. They got and fucking gaslit by freaking... memes. That's amazing. True. Did you say gaslit by memes? Yeah, yeah. they got did. gaslit by memes. They were like, "Oh, people because like of all the memes. Oh, it's Morbin time." Let's put it back in the- <laughs> funny to me. Everyone's making a meme about that movie, even though everyone like absolutely hates that movie. I hate they that re-released movie so much. It. They re-released it for the weekend because <laughs> <laughs> it made sixty-five k. <laughs> Who the fuck spent that much money on this movie? And everybody did an Uda reverse card because you know how like everybody was like, "Bring back Morris to see this." Blah blah blah. blah. And they say like, "Morris is back in theaters," and everybody in the comments is the exact opposite. Like it's not the practical joke anymore. Like Lol Stoney really thought our practical joke was. Oh my god! Hey, it's so bad. It kind of felt it's bad. So for bad. Started as a, it started as a joke, but now I don't think it's a joke anymore. <laughs> it's not good. It's just not good. No, it's All right. Good. What you got for us, Shay? What's that? Yeah, pick? yeah. Oh. Wait, it's my turn again? Yeah. Well, you didn't give us no, the one. It wasn't my turn again. I didn't go yet. Okay, fine. 
so uh i mean in, in a similar way that mall and drive is is queer cinema uh, i chose jennifer's body the most obvious of choices yes <laughs> shut up i mean not the most obvious to people who aren't like paying attention right oh my god you the girls see. who know no the girls who the girls who get it get it the girls who don't don't but, yeah, exactly. Uh, if you know Jennifer's body, you've seen Jennifer's body, and you're coming in with sort of a queer mindset or queer context whatsoever, then you get it. Um, but even the screenwriter and the directors themselves have noted how. Okay, so if you haven't seen the movie, it makes basically what happens is it's about it's written by Diablo Cody. First of all, hey, <laughs> yes, Soy Diablo. Um, basically, Megan Fox. Um, and Amanda Seyfried are best friends in high school. They're besties. Everyone has had this sort of dynamic, not everyone, but a lot of girls, including myself, have had the sort of, Will, what are you doing? Jesus Christ. BFFs. Um, <laughs> sort of dynamic where you're <laughs> with this person and they're really beautiful and they're popular and they're the type who, who seem that they have it all, but it gets the better of them. Um, Megan Fox's character, Jennifer, who's the popular pretty cheerleader, of course, um, gets abducted for what ultimately is a satanic ritual. And because the ritual doesn't go all the way through as planned, she becomes uh, a succubus. And um, Amanda Seyfried's character, the, the other main character, um, does anyone know what her name is? Needy. Needy, so Needy is trying to uh, navigate you know, her, her best friend's uh, changing characteristic. Uh, Jennifer is starting to become far more promiscuous, although sex isn't even really implied, which is really freaking interesting. Um, and yeah, it, it just goes on from there without spoiling it. But there is a huge queer context to it. Um, and the screenwriter and director have even gone so far as to describing how Jennifer was actually as a character created and designed to be, have been a lesbian, a closeted lesbian. And yeah, so that's how Megan Fox said that she uh, played the, the character as a deeply closeted lesbian, yeah. Deeply, that's, and that's the tragedy of it. I quote, closeted. deeply closeted. And um, Jennifer's body is, is kind of making a comeback because Megan Fox in herself, because she's been so outspoken about her career has, the whole, the whole thing, the whole concept, Megan Fox and the movie has been making a comeback and people are finally really starting to pay attention to it. Um, and not to mention that the movie ends with Hole playing in the background, which is actually fantastic and the best way to end that movie. But um, it's, it, it's kind of like teeth in that it's, it feels like an origin story. And it, you know, other than, you know, the, the thematicisms but aside, it's just like kind of a fun, epic, supernatural horror, um, teen horror that is fun and invigorates anyone's imagination and all that. You got gore, you got action, and you got all that stuff. And it, it could improve uh, on a lot of levels and stuff. But uh, overall, it's a pretty entertaining movie. And looking at the subtext itself and connecting the dots and kind of seeing how things connect or don't connect um including needy's very interesting very specific yet kind of unsaid relationship with her her, her boyfriend 
Um, I don't know, you, ju you just get a lot of clues from it. It's very obviously uh, queer, but there's been a lot of like analysis videos on it, you know? Um, but I would definitely, I would absolutely recommend seeing this movie for everyone because it's just kind of entertaining. I think I think that's a I think that's accurate. I think that there's definitely those themes. I would say entertaining is the best word to describe that movie because it ain't good. Shut up. It ain't good. <laughs> it's good. I'll tell you wow. that. No, it's not. It's not. Good. Good, okay, no, no. Those are fighting. Will, Will, did, uh -oh. you, did you just say it was entertaining? It is entertaining. Yeah. Then it's good. Oh my god. Well, well no, I mean that there's there's a difference between entertaining and good i mean i completely disagree because if you okay so good for me if you could get anything out of a film take samurai cop for example it's not good but it's entertaining so therefore yeah it's samurai cop's amazing first of all um, <laughs> how dare you you just proved uh, their point no it's amazing that movie's well <laughs> so well made it's brilliant uh no, so it's, it's good it's definitely the, the main performance. So I'll tell you this: Jennifer's Jennifer's body is definitely not for me, um, at all. It, but I get but not it. for me. I get it. But I also want to say shout out to my boy Kyle Gallner. He's in that movie for sure. He is. Wait, yeah. is he one Kyle? of the band members? Yeah, he's one of the guys who gets killed. Okay, okay. Explain who Kyle is for those who don't know. So Kyle Gallner is a great actor who's in an excellent movie that's about to hit theaters and Blu-ray soon called dinner in america uh he's the man he's pretty much the man so uh if you got if you guys don't know cal gowner reach out to him he's the best also yeah. emmy skeggs is in a movie on that i saw on netflix on hulu the other day uh shay while we're on dinner in america yeah emily skeggs was in this movie called the infinite playlist of noise Ooh, okay yeah and I it was a I, met, I got to meet her and she's she's, she's wonderful human being of all time yes True. And also the watermelon song is now on Apple Music and Spotify. So if you guys don't listen to the, listen to the watermelon song, because it's amazing. It's so, watermelon. It's so beautiful. All you Midwest emos out there will love it. Yes, including this West Coast emo right here. Uh, I love that. I love that shit. Good. You know what, though? I, I got to tell you, for, for the subject that we're talking about, Shay, that was a great pick. Thank you. It, it's, 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 a, it's the perfect cliche pick. <laughs> Wow, that was backhanded. <laughs> I'm a little bit, I'm a little surprised she picked that because she normally pulls out the, the just like the deep cuts. Okay, so I do have, I have too many deep cuts. That's my problem. So that's why I strayed to that one. I can, I can understand that. And I can't, guys. I'm sorry, I have too many. I can't wait to see your next, your last one because you said it's a good one. But my I next one, what it's be. I have so my many. next Will's one, next one is one of my favorite horror films of all time. It's Clive Barker's Hellraiser. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Continue. Obviously, we know Hellraiser, if you haven't seen it from 1987, one of my favorite horror films of all time, is about a woman who discovers that the body of her brother-in-law has been reanimated by some evil demonic source that have been pursuing him in order to take him to the underworld. And she must kill in order to assure that he can rebuild himself. And uh, the, the film definitely has the vibes, if you know what I'm saying. It has the vibes that fit this discussion right here. Uh, Hellraiser is absolutely phenomenally done. It's well-directed. It's actually scary, for sure. And it's super gory, which is, you know, great. Um, 
And of course, Pinhead is now an iconic horror villain. Other than the S&M BDSM uh, gimp aesthetic of the film and uh, its antagonists, what makes this a queer film? What well, makes for this sure, uh, queer horror? For sure, Julia's character, she, she, she's getting with men and women in order to seduce them uh, to death mm-hmm. uh, in the attic of, well, is it an attic? It's an attic at that point because it's upstairs. It's not a basement. It'd be an attic. She takes them up to the attic where Frank, her brother-in-law, has turned into some sort of meat cleaving monster uh, that requires human life in order to uh, survive. Mm-hmm. Obviously there's, there's more uh, that that's what makes it fit this discussion. But obviously why I picked it is because I, I fucking love this movie so much. Yeah. I just do. I love it. I actually bought my son a miniature version of the puzzle, which he has really? in his room. The box? He, loved he loved this movie. Yeah. I'll show it to you when you come by, you'll see it. Uh, he's got the, he's got the Hellraiser puzzle box. In his room, you're wow. a good dad. That's amazing. Yeah, he loves it. He 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 watched the movie with me, and he loved it. Oh, hell yeah! That's he also amazing. liked Evil Dead. So good. Okay, that's good. We Evil must- Dead, the remake? No, the, the original. Okay, good. Okay. What What are your thoughts on the remake? Um, I like it. It's by Uruguay director Fede Alvarez. Fede Alvarez. I like Fede Alvarez. It was fine. But yes, Hellraiser is amazing, dudes. I, I know you guys have seen this one because this is like one of the most like yeah, yeah, iconic it, horror movies. It's of all time. fun. It's iconic. Everything you said. Um, yeah, for me, watching it for the first time, I I unfortunately did not have the child the 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 culture of childhood that you're you're granting your son. Um, I watched this as an adult, but even then I was still able to really appreciate everything from the special effects to even the acting. Special effects um, are beautiful. Yay. Unfortunately, I did see it with the, the weird dubbing though. So that was mm. off-putting until I actually watched the second, the second Hellraiser. And then I was like, oh, that's what the real voices sound like. And things change. But um, anyway, like, you know. There's so much to go along with it, uh, the imagery, the costume design, and Clive Barker by himself is amazing. And if, I don't know, I, I believe he started out as a comic book artist, actually. It's true, but also Hellbound, the second Hellraiser is really good, too. It, I absolutely agree. Absolutely. I loved the second one. Um, really and I need to rewatch the first one, but I'm almost at the point to where I almost kind of like the second one better. Um, it's not a, it's not a bad opinion it's not a bad opinion at all I, I need to watch the first one in order to solidify that opinion hellbound is dope I, it's not a bad opinion at all i just i i i love the hellraiser series even though it got it went downhill after the second one uh i still love it you know what i mean I, there's like seven movies but you know mm-hmm. whatever i love the movie what do you what do you think Did, what do you guys think of that movie i, I mean shay we obviously we got your thoughts on it but maddie I, you've probably seen this and james i know you've seen it I have seen it recently, yeah. I have to say, I was a little, I was honestly a little disappointed by it, okay? Okay, why is that? Why is that? No, Will, ignore Will. Why, why is that? Elaborate. Maybe it was previous expectations that I had because I did go into it blind. But, you know, of course, I'd seen, like, the imagery around and Of course, we've all seen Pinhead, like, as an iconic horror figure. Was it the, and, like, this- was it the dub? Was it the eight? yeah? It was some of the dub. There is honestly, the I'm more forgiving. Is the one with the bad ADR, and that's how I saw it, and that makes a huge difference. 
Yeah, not just that though. I just, I honestly felt like it was a bit messier than I would have liked. And um, maybe I do need to watch it again with a different perspective now knowing what happens and what the plot is and everything. But, and it was actually the director's, you know, it, it, it was his first go, like as a director, wasn't it? Or like one of his yeah. first. No, and you can tell. Um, wrote the novel and then he made the movie. Yeah. And I can support that. But it, it was, yeah. it did feel like a very early effort to me. And I, yeah, I honestly was a bit disappointed by it. But that being said, I can respect the movie because it does introduce, again, one of the most iconic horror figures of all time. Mm-hmm. And also the special effects are gorgeous. And the designs, I yeah. love those. Yeah. So those, those give the movie points back. But mm-hmm. I have to say... I'm not completely in love with it. And this, yeah, this is me being, this is my negative thing. <laughs> I get to have one back. <laughs> yeah, okay. So to you, I went exactly through, through. okay. So because we're the same person, right? <laughs> my, I went through the same exact process, process as you. My recommendation is watch the second movie and then you'll go back and realize what they're actually supposed to sound like. And how it, it helps. Listen, to, to give you a quote from the movie, when she, while she's saying to watch the second movie, we have such sights to show you. Oh. And it's true. The that second was, film does have such sights to show you. Honestly, the Xenobites could talk to me all they want. I, I... <laughs> right? Pinhead is, pinhead's a zaddy. What can we say? Yeah, leather's daddy. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> we can all agree on that. Oh, yes. Yes. Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> James, you've seen this movie, yes? Yeah, and I'm reading some just behind the scenes stuff about it that I didn't know about it. Apparently, the cinematographer Robin Vidgian or Vidgian, um, he worked with Douglas Slocum, who did the cinematography for 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 the Indiana Jones films. He's a focus yep. puller. With he them. also did uh, he, he did a couple of uh, a few bits of work on some Bond films too. Oh yeah. yeah. Which ones? World is not enough, and I think he did a one of the Connery ones. Oh, I wonder if it was oh, yeah. <laughs> And he worked on Anthony Hopkins' film August. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, I mean, you know, Hellraiser. I I haven't really seen the movie. I've watched a bunch of scenes on YouTube, and that's just <laughs> a sin. I know it's a sin. Comes. Terrible. <laughs> I deserve to go to hell for that. You have committed but, a sin, and I'm sending them after you. Yeah. You get to have a little bit of one-on-one to come with the Xenobites for your sins. <laughs> it's going to be a bad time. You're going to love it. But yeah, yeah. No, I told Maddie, watch the first and second um, back back. First and second We'll take that back. as homework. After yeah, the, I'll, I'll take homework as well. Now, <laughs> I'll raise some hell. As is the norm here on this podcast, we always have three suggestions. So, Maddie, do you happen to have one more for us? Hmm. To discuss? Yes. Are we doing honorable mentions as well? I'm going to let you do, I'm going to let you roll call all of yours once I get my last picket. Sweet, sweet. Well, for this last one, I got another controversial one, but I want to talk about it still because of its controversy. And it is, if, the, the girls who know, know. The girls who don't, 
don't, but uh, sleepaway camp. Yeah. Oh my God. Fuck you. Yeah, that's good. What? That's what? Good. This. That's is... that's a definite. That's a definite yeah. one. That's a okay. We're gonna have a long or not a long conversation. There's gonna be a good conversation about how so. exactly, and that's why I picked it because there's a conversation to be had. Juicy. And, okay. Yes. You. We can't to- even. We can't even mention the fact that it uses the T and LGBT and how and why because it's a spoiler. Maybe. <laughs> honestly, Do you honestly, guys ever have spoiler tags? For honestly, like, hey, I went, I went to sleepaway camp with the spoiler, and it was still just as interesting. Yeah, it is. I but, mean, we watched it together. You, you and me, we watched it together. We did. I think we both knew. You know. No, yeah. I alone, I thought. Huh. I thought I'd watched it alone. No, bitch, I was right there. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> no, bitch, I was right there. <laughs> That's a quote. That's a quote. Quote. Quote, quote that. Cut that. <laughs> no, bitch, I was but, right um, there. Oh, James, have you seen Sleep Away Camp? Sleeping what? Sleep. Have you have you seen this movie? A spoopy. Have you seen this movie? A spoopy. <laughs> spoopy movie. I haven't. Um, <laughs> okay. I, I, How are we going to do this? How should we go about this then? Because it's it's kind of a tough one to talk about without spoiling it. Yeah, um, because... Jesus, you had to go with, with a really advantageous one. Oh, my God. We could just kick James out. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, my God. So, wait. I'll have the Cenobites escort you out in <laughs> minutes <laughs> but yeah. i mean maybe i could talk about the reputation it has rather than the thing directly because i think that's one of the things because i don't like this movie being considered like or suggested as like you know like if somebody asks like hey you know any good like queer horror movies or whatever i don't think this should be something suggested without without further context because it's not it's not good representation like that and it's not i love that you brought this up because it's bad reputation representation which i mean they can't all be good ones obviously you know what it's it is interesting it's fascinating to talk about though it it is a difficult one to talk about you know and not even in just the sense that like the spoiler right you know, there, there the spoiler is the discussion that can be had there of course but it's it's okay it, it, it's so, definitely an important moment in queer horror early early queer horror cinema yeah Yes, it can even be called queer because in certain senses, when you really think about it, it's certain not. things could be queer, but at the same time with, okay, just talking about the movie in general, it's your average kind of 80s, squelchy, kind of cheesy. But, know, I, find it, exactly, but I find it fascinating wow. that it's always brought up um, when the discussion of queer horror and it's, it's, to the back a bit but it is there when you look up or when you hear people like talking about you know like lgbtq uh plus horror and i think that's interesting like how that movie has been i guess labeled in a way and the discussions around it 
Um, and I guess it does kind of represent, re represent um, I guess, uh, an image in horror that is used. I, it, it hasn't been used a ton, but there are very prominent examples. Yeah. And none of them are very good. <laughs> Will, have you seen this movie? You have, haven't you? I, I actually I have seen this movie a few times. Uh, I a few times. I don't care for it. Uh, being frank, I I I think of the '80s slashers. I think that the entire Sleepaway Camp franchise, because there's like four of these movies. Yeah, yeah. I've only seen the first one. They're not very good. They're very very. Um, I think it's Felicia Rose who plays the main character in the movie. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's all done in a way that I find since we're talking queer horror, I, I find it to be quite, how do I put this nicely? It points and laughs at, at the subject matter that it's trying to portray rather than being authentic and giving good representation yeah. to that community. Yeah, I agree. It's exploitative, which is oh, okay. unfortunately so, an aspect of horror. But that's of its time is the, the sad part. It's of its time. Exactly a sad thing because when something is of its time it's you know when something is progressive that's exceptional especially in that time period right so this was released what in the 80s late 70s it's like 84 something like that the yeah, problem like is early. the problem is at this point we should have been progressive on that because i i mentioned earlier glenn and glenn glenn or glenda was uh, an ed wood movie that came out in the 50s so we've but had this in the zeitgeist. Queer director. That was by a queer director. Yes, but we've had this in the zeitgeist. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, okay. So I, I say this all the time. Um, and I actually had this conversation with someone after we watched Isle of Dogs, which is a Wes Anderson film. Great movie. Great movie. But they were we were having a conversation about uh, whiteness in, in film and them having a problem because they were a person of color. They are a person of color, sorry. And uh, they were talking about how the, the whole presence of the white saviorness is in the film. But at the same time, um, me and Maddie are both uh, half, what is it? Half white, Jewish, and then half Filipino. Um, but we're very much like white passing. Um, and from that perspective, it's Wes Anderson. It's a white male Suset director who's writing what he knows. So in Sleepaway Camps, kind of situation here let me look that up real quick away i assume it was a white male director who uh, who directed it white male director the emphasis on it uh, Robert Hilton. White male. and you know what if he's making a character or making a concept around something that he doesn't know especially having to do with queerness it's not even queer necessarily it's identity um, and a very real identity, something that's very real to a lot of people. And he's writing about something that he doesn't know and making it centric to his, his horror plot. Of course, he's going to fuck it up, right? Yeah. He, because he doesn't know what he's actually talking about. So in that sense, I don't necessarily uh, point it out as problematic. It is problematic nowadays, obviously. Um, but overall, it's just... Uh, it's a mid entry in the whole of the genre of cheesy slasher horror movies in the 80s it is problematic 
in, in a general sense, but at the same time, it's not like the director is knowing what it is he's writing about and what he's making centric as his kind of horror device is exceptionally problematic, you know? So in a sense, I, I don't really like, I don't really point and look at it as like being like, it, I don't even know if that's a bad thing, but I don't even point at it as like, this is a horrible thing that happened. Like Maddie described, it's something to talk about and it's something to converse. And for us, it, it, it's almost kind of a platform to us to be like, that is horrible representation and this is why. And it's it doesn't even necessarily come from a place from malice. It comes from a place of internalized bias and internalized ignorance, right? That's the uh, word I would have used. I would have used ignorance. ignorance. It's ignorant. It's not Very ignorant. absolutely malicious, but also in the way that audience members can interpret that can be malicious, which can be. I was just going to say that's highly harmful. It's highly harmful. It's absolutely harmful. It's absolutely harmful. And for those of you who know what it is we're talking about, you know, it's really hard not to spoil it. Honestly, should we spoil it? Because it is kind of. James, are you ever going to watch this movie? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) what if, what if I just mute y'all? For like the next five minutes, <laughs> and then we'll like wait to like there, and then and then I'll just hang on. Okay. Oh, I'll just turn my volume like down. wave. Yeah, I shut my volume off. There you go. He has no volume. So okay. go ahead. <laughs> okay, so everybody, like spoilers for Sleepaway Camp. If you want to see it for this this twist thing, go ahead, and uh, I guess we'll wave when we're done. Yeah. Discussing it. <laughs> yeah. It's um it's a very miss. It's a miss. It's a miss. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. It, because obviously it comes from someone who has who is ignorant, who has absolutely no idea what it is that they're basing that off of. But at the same time, I don't know the entire stuff. I don't know if he's actually okay. So Maddie, do you actually want to talk about what what the device of this franchise is actually about? I I'd say so. I mean, I I was I yeah. <laughs> okay, Will. Because I don't even know if I can, I can. I don't know. I got it. Our okay. main character is at the end of the film revealed to have been a transgendered man. A gr- oh, well, okay. At the end of the film, a full-grown transgender man, apparently. Yeah, yeah. a fully grown transgender man, even though. The entirety of the film were under the guise that she's a teenage woman. Okay, so a note here, I think it is actually like a a teenager in the universe, but Meta, they wanted that, they wanted that reveal, like, but they couldn't, I I guess they decided to go with like a full grown Which is highly, highly manipulative, and if you know the context of the film, you know that actually the actor who who was the, because when the reveal is shown, it's full frontal and um, it's a grown man um, who shows off his entire body wearing a mask. um, Wearing a mask of the actress's face. The main very young actress who is uh, an adolescent teenager and um, basically a a grown man's body. Oh my God. It's (laughs) honestly, it sounds worse and worse the more I describe it. And I- Yeah, like- 
I've only watched this film one time and I've watched an analysis of it. And honestly, it gets worse the more I think and talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. They, they use a grown man's body in order to emphasize the grotesqueness of this person who the backstory of the character was they were forced to act as if they were a girl um, because they were adopted by someone who I think a family member like their aunt or yeah something like that and yeah I think it was their aunt who was you know the the funny thing is I don't even find that to be the most disgusting thing I find the fact that they are good they people would use that as the excuse for the actions of the movie Mm. as the reason that they do what they do in the movie do you know what I mean like yeah yeah oh yeah because audience members like myself who were naive and especially on the first viewing something to because it's extremely confrontational especially for what it's what it's basing it's whole horror around it's extremely confrontational and for someone like me or any person it's extremely difficult to even process what it is they're trying to trying to convey to you. So yeah. you're you know you like most people like me want to be optimistic, want to give the benefit of the doubt, but in the end, it is it's really horrible what they're portraying because basically the story is of sleepaway camp. I don't know what happened exactly, but basically this little boy goes through this traumatic event. They get taken in by this extremely controlling woman slash family member. Always wanted a daughter, quote and unquote. Forced to become their daughter. Um, and then in Sleepaway Camp, it they start killing people. I forget even and a note too. I think they're actually they they had okay, so at the very beginning it shows, you know, a traumatic event happening. Their family, like I think their father and yes. one of the kids you see gets I- killed in a boating accident. Mm-hmm. So he's actually been made to live as his sister his dead sister yeah I think that so, is it so that's that's yeah. like the horror twist but the real horror twist is he was oh she was a boy all along but the fact and this that is actually a pretty a man's body in order to emphasize the the Im- implication that a man's full-grown man's body under a little girl's face and emphasizing the the grotesque nature of that within itself as the twist as the ending is horrifying in the sense that it's it's that's how they're how they're trying to it almost I don't know how to even say it it's like they're almost explicitly kind of trying to portray a, a horror around trans people they're 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 making it disgusting to be trans they're showing you the disgust and disdain that they have for those that are transgender See, it's one of those things too. It's like, it's. I'm gonna bring it up. Silence of the Lambs. Oh no. They they specifically say I'm bringing up all the ones. I'm sorry, but they specifically say in the movie, like Hannibal Hannibal Lecter is like, um, no, um, he's not actually a transgender person. Um, but that's that movie and that imagery. And that character still gets that reputation as, you know, the quote, scary transgender horror movie character. And it's it's kind of a similar situation with Sleepaway Camp where 
It is. Although it is the exact same. Yeah, but a, at least Silence of the Lambs is based on, based on a true serial killer. Buffalo Bill's based yeah. on Ed Gein, so it's like... Yeah. yeah. Even still... So I think it is a less malicious example, although it still, unfortunately, has, I think, had a much bigger impact, maybe, than Sleepaway Camp has in terms of that sort of... I guess um, false representation. Um, Even though it's, the sense of the land, it's still based on a novel at the end of the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but, no. The more we, the more you talk about Sleepaway Camp, the worse it gets, honestly. Because in my opinion, just, it succeeds at at that last image because the last image of the film is literally the main character, her face on a male on a grown man's body. It's like a freeze frame, I think, on that face. Yeah, you see her face and it's like, like stretched out and like- It's actually pretty scary looking. It is, it is scary. It's like a scary moment, but at the same time, there's also that, it's honestly a pretty typical like 80s horror movie, except for this plot in this. um, Yeah, considering the actual weight it could have on people as far as like, you know, you like seeing trans, quote unquote, transgender characters, whether or not you consider them- transcoded. Let's put it that way. It's transcoded, even if the characters aren't necessarily trans or they're outright said, oh, it's they're, they're not a trans person but or whatever. It also, it, they're still transcoded. Yeah, it, it paints this person. And like you said, Will, like because supposedly uh, this child was forced to become trans, which in itself is actually. Now that I say it out loud, it's an absolutely horrible, problematic plot line to put in it. Your this character was forced to become trans, so because of that, they became a slasher. You know exactly. That's the exact point that I'm making. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 for me, on, you y'all can hear it for me right now. I'm going. I'm still processing this film because of how horrible it is. And you know, even when it's I when we watch all the way through, it's a lot. Yeah. And everything and that we're saying right now, everything that you're saying, I find all of that makes it so interesting to me that it's gotten the reputation that it's gotten mm-hmm. and including in a non, like to non LGBT uh, plus oh, Jesus. Uh, film for, for Yeah, people outside of that community and outside of that understanding. Yeah, just being yeah. like, well, that was a crazy twist, man. That was so scary. And uh I don't know. It's just it's in like film, it's, 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 at the bare minimum, it's internalized. But at the height of of whoever is appreciating that, it honestly you could say it's full on transphobia. Yeah, that's fair. That's totally fair. Now yeah. we're done with this topic. So James, <laughs> I apologize for bringing that movie up. Oh well, no, I that was like, fascinating. That was actually like therapeutic. I think maybe like. Perfect. If you guys can put wow. like a transphobia or discussing transphobic topics like at the beginning of this or something, <laughs> I, I have to imagine like you know if you're just trying to listen to like a podcast and stuff, and then you gotta, <laughs> you gotta listen. Hear about our podcast is rated mature, so they know what they're getting into. Yeah, beforehand. But, me and they, me and James, when we were talking about James Bond, had all the language. Well, yeah, Will taught me to go all out and just no holds barred so it's true yeah no holds barred indeed did you figure out a third movie james well yeah you were, I mean, you were let's see. 
The first one I already had planned. The second one I didn't have planned. So the third one has to really come out of nowhere. Hey, you got to pull it out of your ass, James. <laughs> chuck, chuck. <laughs> uh, well, let me think here. Um, I mean, when Shanna comes back, she could probably lend you one of her movies. She's got a long list. I've heard she has a long list. Yeah. Uh, let me think about it. Um, list, list long, money long. <laughs> This this long one out. Um, let's see here. Yeah, yeah uh, thank you to um, their suggestion. I, I managed to managed to find one. American Psycho. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, I'd I'd pick that any day of the week because <laughs> with all the underlying, you know subtleties that Patrick Bateman has in regards to um, wanting to, you know, have the ideal male body and be recognized amongst his peers. It sometimes goes outside the boundaries of just being a normal functioning member of society and wanting to be more of like a, you know, God. I'd agree isn't. there. Yeah. Cause like, who's he, who's he designing his body for other men? And he checks himself out in the mirror while he's, you know, having sex with other women. Yeah, Yeah, having sex with women is just an image thing for him. Like, he's not even really there. His narcissism, his narcissism tells you he loves himself. And he as a man, loves himself and wants his body to be as perfect as possible for these other men. Everything he does is to impress these other men. Yep. Now let's see Paul Allen's card and the memes, of course. Oh, so he's coming. You ever back. see that meme where it's like, let's see Paul Allen's cock? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. That was it's actually sense. that was actually canon. That was an alternate cut that you know. Jared Leto meme. Yeah, Jared Leto wiener. <laughs> yeah. His his morb stick. <laughs> it's morb dick. He just got more dick in time. His more balls. <laughs> His Matt Smith just starts doing his weird <laughs> dance. Michael Moore penis. <laughs> you know, Jared let go. <laughs> Jared went off. My God. Love it. Love it. Love but it. yeah, yeah. American Psycho is a really good one. And I, I rewatched it like a couple months ago. And the ending really stuck with me this time. It's such a good movie. It's a, it. it's a really great movie. And it was like, it was panned, apparently, or just really divisive when it was released. Well, I out. think the divisiveness stemmed from the fact that these male critics didn't like that their their masculinity was being questioned by a female director. They're like, oh, yeah. this misandrist. Misandrist. Miss, misandry. Cancel. Actually, when you put it that way, it is because it was directed by a woman. Um, you could say it's in concept a misandrist film which i think in tow makes it a feminist film in a way <laughs> isn't that um, ironic that a movie about killing women and calling them whores is somehow feminist no no that's horror film actually because uh when, when you look at horror films and because they they resort to that i spit on your grave is a good example of that yeah. it's not a feminist film but it has feminist themes yeah yeah. And it's revenge, yeah. In the revenge, you get the... The revenge part is bleh, yummy. Yeah. Revengeance. I like that. I like that. Shay, oh. what is your final pick 
before Your I pick final my final for the evening. Um, just to reiterate, we get to do honorable mentions, right? Yeah, after I pick my last one, you're going to give us your honorable mentions. And if you don't mention the ones I have, then I'll mention mine. Okay, so in, in that case, my, whew, this is a tough one. The final pick is always a tough one for me because I am incredibly indecisive as a person. But with this one, I am going to go with May. Have you guys seen May? I have it. That's one of the movies I didn't pick because I've never seen it. I haven't either. James? May? Yeah. But I know of it. I've I've heard of it, but I've heard um, of it, but I've never yeah! seen it. Oh no! Okay, it. so I okay, a brilliant. Actually, that's amazing. Okay, I chose okay. something that none of uh, something that none. Of recommendations. Have. I'm down. In that case, May is about basically this inc- incredibly lonely. It's been a minute since I've seen it, but it's about this incredibly lonely woman who is trying to find the perfect lover and she's struggling with her her mental health and i'll just end that there but it definitely delves into horror it delves into psychological horror and even body horror it's i believe it's directed by adam mckay who in and by himself is an amazing what yeah what else does he make that name sounds familiar wait i'm blanking yeah i know it sounds oh he made the greatest american comedy of all time oh wait no Okay, uh, I, um, not Adam McKay. That was that's my mistake. Lucky McKee. <laughs> wow, that was like a John Travolta Oscars moment. Right? <laughs> oh, oh my god! god. <laughs> no, uh, actually, okay. Lucky, Adele Bazim. Like that was Adam literally. McKay and Lucky McKee are actually. Oh my god! Very similar as directors, though. So Lucky McKee has d- also directed All Cheerleaders Die. The Woman, which is the uh, sequel to The Offspring, which if you love cannibal movies, that is the best cannibal movie you will ever see. Um, Blood Money. And yeah, as far as like recognizable shit, that's like what he's done. But he he did really fantastic with this movie. And the acting is fantastic. And it came out in a time kind of like coming off of the 90s when it was still like, okay, to be real and to be gritty about talking about identity and still incorporate like cool musical cues and certain cinematic techniques and all that but may is basically just about a lonely woman who basically just spirals into gore i think she she starts out as a veterinarian but she's so fucking lonely and so socially awkward that it ends up spiraling and she tries dating and she tries like being with other people um, which includes men and women, and she tries being loved. Uh, all she wants to do is be loved, and it's also kind of in a way about the frustration with hookup co- culture. Um, and basically, she just she just gets shit on by everybody, and it's just basically wow. about the frustration with with feeling alone and being socially awkward and not feeling like quote unquote caught up enough with hookup culture. To the point where you go fucking insane. And it's a brilliant movie. It's a very disheartening movie. It would be a great double feature with films like Teeth or um, what was the other film that we mentioned? It's a great movie. It's a great movie. It's just a great movie overall. And oh, uh, American Mary is another. That's one of the ones I was going to have in my honorable mentions. Great fucking movie. Great. Fucking movie, holy shit. American Mary, I'm adding that to the list right now. That's a Soska Twins movie. Yes. And it's oh. awesome. And they also star in it. 
but yeah, also great fucking movie. It's a it's so May is a great movie to double feature with that. That's the wow. first movie that came to my head when you mentioned that. Actually, that's yeah. really funny. Okay, yeah, no, it's not funny because it's true. Which it, I guess. It also, is. our cheerleaders die. Another McKee movie could fit in this list. Yes, because I actually interviewed the cheerleaders for that movie. Yeah. I actually interviewed the cheerleaders from that movie for the channel. I don't know if you know that. I did not know that, and I work for the channel. <laughs> yeah. Shit. But yeah, no, uh, I recommend May Highly if you're into Teeth, if you're into All Cheerleaders Die, if you're into American Mary, any one of those independent 2000s, 90s esque posters that appear on the video store walls that you have no idea what they're about. Oh, yeah. American Mary's got one of the best posters of all time. Yeah. I don't know what is yeah. going on with it, but it looks cool as fuck. No, Amer- okay. So Maddie is a huge fan of the Hannibal series. Uh, she is the one who played uh, what's his name's sister. I've never seen that. It's it's all right. Um, shoot, the guy who got eggs. What's his name? Oh my god, he was in Hannibal Rising. He was one of the antagonists in Hannibal Rising, played by Gary Oldman. Someone help me. I don't. I'm blanking there. <laughs> No, he was played by, um, shit, Michael Pitt. Michael Pitt. Yeah, I said his name, Mason. Oh, yeah, Mason something. You don't listen to me. Uh, I'm I like looking Michael Pitt. you guys. Hmm? I'm looking up for you guys. Let's see. Perfect. I, lo- I like Michael Pitt a lot. That's good. Michael Pitt. Hannibal, Hannibal Rising. I don't see any Michael Pitts in here. I don't know what the hell you guys are talking about. The show? Yeah. Yeah. The show. Yeah, not the, the film. Well, no, um, the this character was also There's a film yeah. called Hannibal Rising. The yeah, trailer is yeah. four was minutes. Yeah. One of the antagonists <laughs> okay. is Hannibal Rising. What? Mason something. Are we talking about the series? Like the show or the yeah, series? The movie? show she plays Mason's sister. Okay. Okay. So and we are on the same page. Just for extra added context. Okay. Got it. Okay. Got gotcha. it. I don't know how we even we're always going on tangents and off topic. I've never seen the Hannibal show, but I I do love me some Mads Mikkelsen, so yeah. Yes. Good old Mads Mikkelsen. Mads Mikkelsen. That's a perfect transition though. That's a perfect transition though for my last pick. Because it is a Norwegian film. (gasps) It is directed by Jaukin Trier. It came out in 2017 and it's called Thelma. Oh. Telma? Telma. Oh, wait. Telma? Oh, I know what, exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Now, if you guys don't know who Joe Kim Trier is, his movie, last movie that just came out last year was called The Worst Person in the World. And oh, yeah. this is the movie he did before that. And it's called Telma. And it's about a girl who's in a, like a religious girl who's trying to deny the fact that she's in love with a, uh, another classmate who's a woman. Uh, the, the suppression of that of which brings on psychokinetic powers. Yes. Very so she's so closeted, she becomes psychokinetic. Mm-hmm. It's like an M83 music video come to life. It's awesome. Yes. Ooh. Um, my opinion of this film is actually... Uh, okay, so being honest, when I saw this film, I expected a lot more. But really, this film is, is more like a mood or more like a feeling like... It's you a were, vibe. Like, it's a vibe. So explaining, like, if you felt any sort of religious oppression or just oppression, like, identity oppression, repression upon yourself, 
then Thelma might be the film for you. It's about this young woman who goes on to her higher education phase away from her family, even though she's a different kind of person. And it's revealed what kind of person she is because she has those psycho, psycho telekinetic fucking abilities or whatever. And uh, she does have a, a repressed queer relationship with another woman, which ends up uh, resulting in some very serious consequences. Um, disastrous. Film, disastrous, absolutely. My opinion of this film is honestly um, mid. <laughs> I saw it at a film festival and I really enjoyed it. It was fine. Um, I'd rather see the director's latest installments because honestly, I felt like it was just one of those films that elaborated on a feeling and um, just added imagery on top of it rather than it kind of playing on a fuller, more lush story. I feel like there could have been so much more like the climax and the reveal of the story and of her backstory I feel could have been covered within the first 30 minutes. And I wish there was, I wish there was a lot more to the story than there already was. It just felt like kind of a, a flat origin story for me. So I'll but, tell you, if you've seen any of Yalcom Trier's films, he kind of does that. That's sort of what he, same thing in Worst Person in the World. This movie could have probably been three, two, uh, two hours shorter. You could have gotten everything out in 30 minutes, but he expands on it too much. And, and you're right. That's exactly what he does here, too. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like I said, I, I saw it at a festival. It fits this perfectly. Yeah. I, this I, yeah. Perfectly. That, that's just my viewpoint. I did still see how a lot of people would really admire this film. Yeah. Um, not just for its story, but also for its imagery. Not just for its imagery, but also for its story. You know, it is a beautiful looking film. It is. It's a it's a pretty film. Everything he shoots looks beautiful. The acting is good. And it's that's really fucking true, isn't it? any like interesting moments in it uh hashtag weird baby mo- baby moments what but yeah yeah what exactly what uh you just have to see it but um Toma, Toma's a good one Toma's a good one it, especially if you want to do research on on telekinetic uh characters you know if you want a double feature with midnight special there you go you know not a bad, not a bad fellow suggestion, actually. I like that. And so that was my last pick. Um, on my honorable mentions, I had uh, Knife Plus Heart and Ooh. Strangers in the Lake. Oh, my God. I didn't even write that down, that one down. But that Strangers by the Lake is a fantastic film. I know. I saw it. <laughs> it's a fantastic film. I, I watched that off of Canopy. And, uh, that's why it's on my list. It did not disappoint. That's another one of those films that I would describe as situational horror because yes. it was fucking real. Yeah, real. And, and knife, like, I didn't mention Knife Plus Heart because we mentioned it uh, previously in the other podcast in our Giada episode. Yeah, I didn't mention it there. What do you have on your list? Me? Yeah. Oh, okay. So for my honorable mentions, okay, here I go. Tom at the Farm, which is another quote unquote situation situational horror. It's directed by uh, Xavier Dolan. Ah, uh, that fucking dick. I love him. He's so <laughs> talented. He's, I, that's why I hate him, because he's so he's fucking talented. talented. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, he's, he's so great. Fun. What is it? Uh, I Killed My Mother. A critic said, uh, Xavier Dolan's uh, fucking, like, showing himself as too pretty. And his response to that was, you can kiss my narcissistic ass. And I love him for it. I love him for that. So, I love yeah. that answer. 
brilliant film. Um, I watched I Killed My Mother, but Tom at the Farm after watching that. We made- watched that together. Did we really? Yeah, we watched that together. Yes, she was there. Yes, I was, I was there. there. <laughs> <laughs> her memory. I'm so sorry. I'm okay. Whatever. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry. So you liked Tom at the farm? No, I watched Eyes of My Mother with you. Oh my god. You didn't? Yes. I was literally right next to you. I don't even remember the last time I was home. Okay. Okay. So yeah, you liked that one. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We're on the same page again. Yeah. But yeah, Tom at the Farm hardly recommend. It's very stressful to watch and very concerning but it's a great case study in um would you would you even call that disorder again the beauty and the beast kind of thing stockholm it's a great case study in stockholm syndrome and it's 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 very personal and it feels very real and it's like like disgustingly real um moving on with my honorable mentions sunchoke which i guarantee none of you have seen what's it called Sun choke. Oh yeah, nope. I've totally seen that. Yep. You seen it? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Well, um, it's it's highly disappointing actually because this film I've been trying to advocate for for years and years and years, ever since 2015 when I saw it, and no one has really caught on to it. And I feel like it features some of the best performances I've ever I, it features the um the leading lady from the reanimator series. But she, she returns again as this like very uncomfortable uh, adoptive motherly figure, very controlling. And it's just about like when you when you try to contain um, an entity or a body for too long, to this person who appears as mentally ill or autistic and she is autistic, but um, she's repressed and that also uh, con- like considers her her sexual identity and her expression and all that all of that is repressed and it ends up in very catastrophic just situations it's a brilliant movie and absolutely no one has seen it and it makes me so mad well what's really funny about that is uh the really funny thing about that is the lead actress is sarah hagan uh and she's actually from freaks and geeks she played millie in freaks and geeks and she's actually in an uber eats commercial now oh no shit. Oh no! But no. no, it was a Wingstop commercial. She's in a Wingstop commercial no. that That's just came worse. out. That's worse. Yeah, Which is horrible because Sarah Hagen does an absolutely brilliant job with this role, and it's a really tough role to convey. Um, I don't even know how much I could get into it. I've seen this film two, three times, and I've advocated for it so many times, and people just haven't caught on to it, unfortunately. So I'll just I'll, I'll keep saying it. For, for the rest of my life, Sunchoke is a great, small, indie, psychological horror film that you can watch and observe. Um, moving on from that, Netflix's uh, What Keeps You Alive is also, a, for me, a fun, queer, uh, survival uh, horror film. The Perfection, a very twisty Netflix horror film. That's a good one. That's Perfection's a good one. Yeah. A couple times now, I showed it to my partner. He loved it. What Keeps You Alive is good, too. It, yeah, it's super fun. Uh, honestly, I really loved it. It, re- it was really panned upon. Not a lot of people liked it, apparently. Or I thought it was fine. I thought it was I, fine. I it. Yeah, it was a good, 
it was a good survival horror and then some you know the perfection the perfection is actually really surprisingly good because i didn't expect i didn't have high expectations for that but exactly you and, and it almost kind of wanted you to think that it wanted you to think it was a zombie disease horror whatsoever mm-hmm. and it's so much more yeah. than that. it's it's super twisty and its characters are super fun and they're motivated. browning is so hot absolutely absolutely and they fulfill the rules all the way through um, moving on from that, I have Martyrs, one of my favorite horror films of all time. The you French know, bo- the French uh, film, Martyrs. French, um, if we ever do an episode on the French extremity movement, you know, I'll be there. because Yeah, Martyrs, that's, that's the premier movie of the French extremity movement is Martyrs. And not only is it at the forefront of the French extremity movement, um, excluding Irreversible, which I will never watch ever again. <laughs> I can't recommend you not do that again. Yeah, even all the way through. I I have a whole story about that one, and I I can't even get into that right now. Don't need to right now. <laughs> Don't need to right now. But yes, Martyrs, a fantastic film. Um, and then other than that, I also had Raw on my list. Climax, The Neon Demon. Oh which- shit! Oh yeah, I do have to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Neon Demon, fantastic film that a lot. I of did people, like it, but it is it does fit. And a lot of people didn't like it, but it's Nicholas Griffin, so it's the guy who I love their interview with um William Friedkin, like the interview they guys had. Really? Like William Friedkin is like because he starts like sucking his own dick and saying like Drive is like the greatest motion picture of all time, and William Friedkin who directed probably the greatest horror movie ever made and countless the other classics. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he just goes, are you for real? Can we get this man an ambulance? Please, please get this man a doctor. He just starts like... It's so fun. Yeah. It's really funny. I'll pass it's it to the group later. Um, oh my God. But yeah, Neon Demon, that's... That's what I gotta say. I've only seen Drive and only God forgives. You should say it has like comparable themes to like American Psycho, but flipped. Honestly, mm-hmm. no, because I, I think, think so. I think American Psycho is less. Things, I think American Psycho is more subtle, whereas mm-hmm. yeah, Demon is very Psycho, very overt. I, I agree. Yeah, but I could say, I, I'd say that there are similar themes, though there are comparable themes to in like the no. setting. Yeah, but I just think that the way that they're dispelled is too, it's, it's so much more overt in Rethan's films because that guy doesn't understand subtlety oh, yeah. if they hit him in the face. Yeah, yeah. Even physically, because Nicholas Wedding Rethan is, he he professes, he, he it's almost like a, a braggart. Like he, he's like, I'm colorblind. So that's why my movies are so. <laughs> that's why this is way too yellow. <laughs> this is way too green. But is it just me or is it like, Danish directors like that, like Lars von Trier and Nicholas Munning Refn are like, yeah, my movies, no one gets them. But it's it's literally just Danish directors because Swedish and Norwegians aren't except like that. for Vinterberg. Vinterberg is the only humble one. I gotta um, say, I, I gotta, Danish movies, man. Some of them like have the strangest humor I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Scandinavian uh, humor is weird. Comedy. I'm talking about comedy movies, like. Yeah. I feel like Danish comedy movies can be some of the darkest things you've ever seen in your life. Maddie I mean, has told me about what is it called? Men and Chicken. And I haven't <laughs> seen it. Men and and Chicken. He told me that it's one of the darkest comedies that I think Will, you told me about it too. I don't I'm not sure. But they told me I think the, the darkest, darkest comedy. Danish comedy. The, I think the darkest Dan- Danish comedy and 
comedy in general I've ever seen is probably Adam's Apples, uh, Adam's Abel's. I've never heard of that. That shit is so dark. I was like, <laughs> I kept going like, Jesus Christ, because it just kept, it kept getting worse. Well, you know? and that's funny because even their horror has comedy elements. So like, look at something like Coco yeah. D, Coco Da. There's yeah. a lot of, there's a lot of like. Wait, that was Danish? Yeah, that's, uh, well, it's Scandinavian. I still haven't seen that movie. Yeah. So it's like, it, it's supposed to be a horror film, but there's like a lot of weird stuff going on there. Or even the, um, what's the Force Majeure? Same thing. Force Majeure is supposed to be this serious family drama, and there's comedy in it for some goddamn reason. Uh, yeah, no, Scandinavians very... are weird. Okay. So Kojima <laughs> said that you, what makes horror movies or horror elements scarier is comedy. Yeah. It's the juxtapos- juxtaposition. It's the contrast of, yeah. of all of That's that. a good point. Yeah. Who said that? Hideo Kojima. Oh, He's perfect. Put out- <laughs> we love him. Perfect, because he said Raw was one of his favorite movies of 2018, by the way. I forgot to mention that. Wait, what was? Raw. Hey. He will never not be attracted to me. He's Hideo <laughs> Kojima. He's attracted to me. <laughs> Yeah, everybody. He's like a bisexual horn. <laughs> yeah, he made Metal Gear Solid. That's okay. all I need in my life. Actually, okay, so I have a few more honorable mentions. What else that you I got? want to point out, like, I think Hideo Kojima's review of Morbius, like, when he went to see it, was just a picture. He just took a selfie in the empty theater with like a disappointed expression. And that knew that Hideo Kojima actually reviews movies that he sees. Hmm. I'm gonna lose my fucking shit. Hideo he probably has a letterbox. <laughs> I swear to God, if he has a letterbox, I don't even have a letterbox. I'm chaotic for that. I do. I just got it this year. I, I, I feel like you know, I feel like what would bug me about having a letterbox is not being popular on letterbox. So that's why I don't do it. I actually have a pro account, so I don't care about being popular. I just I just I say <laughs> whatever I want. That's the freeing part of not being popular. You can say whatever the fuck you want and not care about anybody seeing it. I kind of do that anyway, so. <laughs> you just <laughs> say yourself and people interact sometimes. But anyway. Yeah, continue. Okay, so my other, I'm just going to run through the rest of my mentions. Um, I also said Knife and Heart, um, but I didn't bring it up because we talked about it in our Giallo episode quite a bit. Um, let's see. I also brought up Possessor. Let the right one in. You're I right. had that one on my list. Abs, as you should. As <laughs> we talk about that one, has everyone? James, have you seen I, it? I, I ha- I haven't seen it. And another thing, guys, my battery's running like really low. I might have to oh, dip out here oh, before well. we actually finish. Unfortunately, oh, shit. Okay. because my charger's in there. But okay. um, it's been great talking about movies. I have a bunch of stuff to add to my list now, and I'm just gonna watch them all throughout Pride yeah. Month. Happy well, Pride Month to I hope all. you'll listen to Pride. next month's episode that we're going to be shooting live from my house. Oh. Yes, I, have one more, I have one more yes, honorable sir. mention. Okay, okay, let's hear. St. Maud. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, St. Maud. Yeah, that was a great one. Okay. I'm so I enjoyed that one. And then I it's also fun. wanted to mention Mysterious Skin. <gasps> Okay, so I was gonna, I did not put that on my list because I wasn't sure if so it was a horror movie, but. Oh it, no, it's a horror movie for sure. So. That is situational horror. 
Oh, I'm running out of battery yeah, too. Absolutely. It's like the most situational horror of any. Yeah. Greg Araki's a genius. So the second thing I wanted to talk about real quick, because I know you don't have time to talk about it, James, but since we're here, let's give one suggestion for a non-horror queer movie for everybody to check out. Okay. And we're going to start with our guest, Maddie. Okay, I'm uh, I'm on the spot here. Give me a second. Okay, non-horror queer movie. Uh, oh, no, I'm just thinking of horror queer movies. Okay, let me think. Let me think. I, I actually thought of one earlier, and I was like, oh, man, I would say that. Too bad it's, too, too bad it's not a horror movie. Support Mysterious Skin and Tom Goes to the Farm on my part. Okay, Which okay. are both situational horror, but Mysterious Skin is more elaborative. Mm-hmm. And even like, even like, like I've seen something recently that matched that. It's, it's like deceptively uh, a coming of age drama, but really it's like one of the most horrifying. Oh my God. I can't even get into it. Just like the first time I ever watched it, I cried on control. So did I. So did I. Joseph Gordon Levitt's performance is just absolutely spellbinding. Man. Yeah. I got one. I got one. I love Justin Gordon. He's what great. I got a non-horror LGBTQ plus rep- representation movie. And not many people talk about it. I think it's kind of underrated, honestly. But I love you, Philip Morris. Good, <gasps> Great choice. Great choice. Great choice. Jim Carrey, Edwin McGregor. Wow. Excellent choice. Great. Oh, no, I found that out. Oh, yeah. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> if any great. movie, if any romantic dramedy is going to play with your emotions it's going to be that one it really does it really really plays with them it's like one moment you're tearing up and you're like oh my god and then the next movie the next moment it's like literally fucking with you yeah Yeah. i fell right into that goddamn and you're wiping your way your tears it got you (laughs) great great pick i love that pick james what you got um i've been thinking because i i felt like i'd seen something recently that that matches this per- perfectly um thing is most of my picks are very like oh i've already seen this so i'll go with a show that a lot of people think this is a show not a film but it, i mean it's technically like you could it's like almost like you know if you watched it back to back it'd be like three hours um it's called kids on the slope and it's this anime directed by Shuichiro Watanabe, who's the director of Cowboy Bebop and oh, I'm, I'm in. Wait, what is um, it called again? It's called Kids on the Slope or Sakamichi no Apollon. Wow. And it's it's not as I mean it is kind of, but it is also isn't because there's like there there are a lot of like subtle like nods and and you know like wink wink and nudge nudges throughout the show. It's about a boy in, I can't remember if it's like northern or southern Japan. And it takes place in the, I want to say 60s, like mid-60s, wow. 1960s. And it's about this group of, of kids, of, of high schoolers, who um, come together. We have our main character, Sen, who's kind of like this classically, like, you know, uh trains um you know top of his class best pupil you know wears the four eyes glasses all that sort of thing and he plays the piano beautifully he plays classical music and he gets to his new school and he meets this other guy um called uh sentaro 
which is like, he's like this brute guy. He might've gotten held back a couple of years. He's kind of, you know, like dumb, but he's got a good heart and he plays the drums really well. And then we have Richan, whose father owns a record store, uh, record store. And it just so happens that this record store has a jazz, like jam kits below. It has like its whole like studio beneath the store. So Sentaro and um, Sen uh, and um, th- they start jamming together. And it's like this story about, you know, coming together through jazz and growing up in a transformative period for both the music and for the times like in the world in Japan. And it's really great. And, you know, their bond glows, grows closer over the show. And it's, it's actually really beautiful. And it, it doesn't really adhere to a specific type of sexuality like you can take from from it whatever you want sort of thing so it's great i i can't do it justice in words like it's 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 a really great show well, james um, you went out with a bang my friend yeah that, um, considering that it's from the okay so it, it's incredible the creator of cowboy bebop and samurai shampoo has actually reached across so many genres. i i'm convinced that they're the the William Burroughs, or not William Burroughs, what's his name? Shit, I don't know. Just like a, such a versatile creator when it comes to anime. Like they even created like Ergo Proxy and then what's their newer show oh, yeah. called? Ergo Proxy. Uh, Space Dandy. Yes. And Ergo Proxy is one of my favorite anime. But to, to match your recommendation, I would also recommend Banana Fish, which is actually a, a gangster crime thriller anime series um, with very heavy queer context um and you can take from it what you do but that's my recommended recommendation and also i i just found a movie that isn't a horror movie but it's like a queer thriller romance called my summer of love and i've seen that a fantastic movie a very early performance by emily blunt very surprising oh really yes it's good well i'm a huge fan so i'll check it out check it out my my suggestion before before I go forward, there is a horror film that has elements that we missed out on, uh, Shay, and what is it, it is Satoshi Khan's Perfect Blue. Oh yeah, that's right. That's another one. There are definitely ho- uh, both horror and queer elements in that film. Wait, Especially let when me you think about the villain. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh. 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 Okay, so. Uh... Okay, so I've seen this film twice. And for those of you, okay, so a faint little, little plug. For those of you initiated, if you're not familiar with me and and Will's work or series or whatever, that was the very first podcast episode that we ever recorded. Is that correct? Uh, It was an unofficial podcast episode. It's on our YouTube, yes. Correct, yeah. But we we literally uh, rewatched, we had both seen the film uh, before. But we we rewatched. We were able to have the opportunity to see the film again when they were screening it in theaters, and we filmed a, a podcast episode right after that. But um, Will, please please elaborate on you bringing that up because so, I, I need to be reminded. Have we all seen uh, the movie? Yes. Okay. So in Perfect Blue, the actual villain of the the plot, it, the the thing making her go insane, is her uh, manager. Who's in love with her? Would you say in love or just 
Or, or are they dysphoric? I think that the jealousy and the dysphoria stems from love. I think you could take that out of there. I think, I feel mm-hmm. like it's, it, it, it's vice versa. I feel like it goes both ways. I feel like you could say that love stems from the dysphoria. Yeah, either way. I, I still I still think that there I guess is... It's based on interpretation. I, I think there's an attraction there that she's, that's driven her to that point. Maddie, Maddie. Yes. What do you think? Because I heard a sound from you and you're making a face and you have thoughts going on. So what are you thinking? I think that's a good point, honestly. I do think I probably missed out on that a little bit. No, I feel like that. Okay. In the beginning of it, I, I like at the starting from that interpretation, I feel like I just, I'm not sure I would say love is really there. I, I don't. It's obsession in love. Yeah, but Um, but you don't have to have general love in order for that to work. That obsession could stem from a sexual attraction. There was okay to be so from my viewpoint, there was no sexual attraction from that. I feel like there was just a dysphoric obsession having to do with the main character that led to her psychosis and also the spoilers. You know the her manager ending up being obsessed with her. It could have been sexual attraction, but in my opinion, there was not really any implication of that. And I'll tell you why I make this point, because one of the movies that was created out of that certainly fits the bill. um, Black Swan. That which yep. actually, why did none of us mention that? How did we forget Black Swan? I was getting to it, but yes. So Yikes. you see, that is where. That is where I got this previous point from, is that Black Swan stemmed from that movie as well. You know what? Um, that, okay, honestly, that makes me disagree with you choosing to talk about uh, Perfect Blue over Black Swan, honestly. Because I feel like Black Swan is... I well, feel like that wasn't implied, but in Black Swan, that was heavily... It's overt, yeah. That's one of the themes, I think. But also, that wasn't my pick because those are oh, all horror shit. movies. I have five percent battery. All right, so I'm just gonna finish this up. Yeah, my my pick I, is oh, a my <laughs> my pick is a comedy, um, that's hitting Blu-ray real soon from Vinegar Syndrome. It's a movie inspired by Greg Araki, uh, ironically, because his films are mentioned in it. It's a comedy called uh, Potato. What is it called? Potato. Oh man, no. I'm gonna look this up because I I had the title and then I lost it because I started talking. Prepared, but no. Um, while potato we'll- potato dreams of America, which I interviewed the director uh, Wes Hurley, who the story is about, and that's how I know that he's um, a, a big fan of Greg Araki because it's mentioned in the movie. It's about a, a, a it's a dark comedy about a gay boy growing up in the USSR who moves to the United States and starts to discover his sexuality through various ways. Was this a, a festival movie? It was. I saw it at, I believe, Tribeca last year or South by Southwest last year. South by Southwest last year. I knew it. Okay. I think I remember kind of seeing a plot like that. Yeah. I saw it at South by last year. I direct and I actually reached out to Wes Hurley to ask him for an interview. And he said, yeah, we'll do it. So the interview is actually up on our YouTube. (laughs) Plug. That's out. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Director. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, and so thanks to you, Wes, for reaching out. And then uh, I should have a copy of it coming in my mailbox here real soon. 
uh, Potato Dreams of America, really funny comedy, really great exploration of sexuality, especially in the late 80s, early 90s, uh, and, and an exploration of what it means to go grow up Russian Orthodox and having to deal with that uh, that ex- experimentation. And what what's really great is one of Greg Araki's films is what opens his eyes to his own sexuality. Which is amazing, because wow. if you don't know who Greg Araki is and you're queer, or even if you're not queer, just look up who the fuck Greg Araki is, because he is one of the, not only is he a pioneer of queer cinema, especially from the 90s to present, but he's just also an incredibly versatile film director in general. If you love, like, say, stoner comedies, you have Smiley Face. Um, if you love, you know, indie comedy, there's Kaboom. If you want to look deeper into dramas, um, as we mentioned, Mysterious Skin is pretty much White Blurred in a Blizzard. Oh, I loved White. If you're looking for like a, a young adult esque, yeah, you know, which was based on a young adult novel, young adult drama kind of thing. White Bird in a Blizzard is a beautiful movie. And um, I also recommend Now Apocalypse, his show on Showtime. It's very, yes. very funny. And very I haven't funny. seen that yet, but Greg Araki is just, if, if you love good music, if you're a fan of like, <laughs> honestly, like My Bloody Valentine or- um, Shoegaze, lots shoe of shoegaze. In general, Cockatoo Twins and Slow Dive and all that stuff, uh, look into him. But overall, he's just like one of, he makes- gorgeous films and gorgeous sounding films so please doom generations of masterpiece which was doom generation i still need to see that it's very good it's been appearing all over my bedrest i need to see it it's very good guys thank you guys so much for having this discussion with us yes. today james Woo! thanks for showing up buddy where can they find you if they want to reach out and give you uh lovin's can reach to me on instagram which is james elos frames that's james underscore y underscore los underscore frames like frames 24 frames per second still the best instagram name of all time yeah (laughs) never changing it maddie where can they reach out and find you if they want to uh talk about all this cool shit we just talked about with you i'd say uh, i'm trying to decide which <laughs> i'd say um my account on instagram uh uh jones maddie j it's pretty it's pretty simple yeah <laughs> just uh, maddie, maddie, since you're you're a guest and you're new to the podcast do you also want to you know self-plug on anything is there anything I, you want to plug i don't have anything set up right now that i can plug i'm trying oh, to no, 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 no. they're an actor actor Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I guess if you guys got any, got it, got got anything, you know, and I, I have um, the uh, specific look you're looking for for something, go ahead and ring me up, I guess. <laughs> They're doing okay, so way to go. That's that's what that's how you get it, that's how you plug. Okay, uh, okay, I guess I just plugged then. So that's my thing. <laughs> Excellent. And then Shay, of course, my lovely co-host Shay, where can they find you if they want to harass you? Hi, everybody. So you can find me. Uh, I'm actually a comic book artist and I'm starting my uh, first po- uh, personal comic run next month. I'm getting printed. You can find me on Instagram at Limina. That's like liminal, but li- without the L. 
Delimina underscore nineteen ninety nine on Instagram, and don't find me on Facebook. Fuck you. Yeah, she's not gonna follow you anyway. So go fuck yourself. Uh, of course, you can find me everywhere at Film Snob Reviews. But I also have a personal Twitter and a personal Instagram. My personal Instagram is the Love Song Writer. Obviously, best my song personal- recommendations. Thank you. Daily. I, I, thank you. Uh, I and then of course my <laughs> Twitter is my first name Will, last name E G U I Z A B A L. It's there. You guys can follow me on there. I'm just basically liking pictures of half naked women and wrestling. So uh, <laughs> if that's what you want to see on your timeline, that's what you're gonna see. Uh, okay, shit. Let me just bet. Uh, <laughs> thank you guys so much for for listening to this complete clusterfuck of a podcast. These are the yep. best ones. When they're yes. complete clusterfucks. And we hope you'll join us next month when we're going to be shooting live and we'll have our guest, Dr. Gina Delgado, live and in person in my house. And Shay's going to be there with me. And we're going to be talking about a mysterious subject that I won't mention. Tease, tease. It's so good. But check it out, guys. And once again, this has been the Snobcast. And for the Snobcast, this is William. And we'll see you later. Bye.